Episode 27, We Interrupt Our Regular Programming. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 27 of The John Becker Show. I hope you are having a great week. Today's show is going to be a little different than most episodes. I'm going to do a PSA, a public service announcement, that I hope will be encouraging for many and informative for even more of you who may not be familiar with today's topic. I want to take some time to talk about something that has always been a part of my life, a subject that has been a close companion of mine since I was a little boy. Now, this is something that some of my closest friends have never known or understood about me, and it has been the cause of tension in some of my relationships. But before I get into today's topic, I need to say something important. The people who really need to hear today's message are the same people who are probably going to reach for the pause button on their device or shut off the podcast completely as soon as they hear what the topic is. And you are the exact people who need to hear what I have to share today. So I am asking. Actually, no, I'm not asking. I am begging you to give this episode a chance. I'm asking you to listen with an open mind, and you might gain some knowledge today that will make a massive difference in the way that you relate to many people in your sphere of influence. The quote of the week is from Paul Martinelli. Now, Paul Martinelli was a high school dropout who overcame a severe stuttering problem to become a millionaire entrepreneur, speaker, and coach. Martinelli said, that breaking someone's trust is like crumpling up a perfect piece of paper. You can smooth it over, but it will never be the same again. Now, as someone who struggles with trust issues, this quote really speaks to me on a deep level. If you have listened for any length of time, you know that I try to be as authentic as possible. And today I'm going to be extremely authentic. I'm going to be sharing some really personal things, some very deep battles that I've struggled with throughout my life, and my hope is that by bearing my soul, others will feel empowered to share their own struggles and to open up about their own pain. Because I'm finding that the only way to heal from the pain of the past is to get it all out. It's like when you cut yourself really deeply. If you just slap a bandage on top of it without cleaning it out first, it's going to get infected. And that infection can make you even more sick as it eats away at you from the inside. So we got to clean out that wound first and then apply the bandage. And eventually it will heal. And sure, there may be a scar that never goes away, but the infection is gone and you can move on and live your life. But before we can move on, we have to understand why we feel the way we do. And that's what I want to talk about today. So again, before you tune out, I want to urge you once more to give this episode a listen, even if you don't struggle the way that some of us do. I guarantee that there are people in your life who will benefit if you have a better understanding of the central theme of today's podcast episode. So today I want to talk about depression. And I want to start by openly stating that I have struggled with depression since I was a child. It's been a constant companion. My mother struggled with it as well, and some of my friends growing up also experienced varying levels of depression. So in my limited relationship sphere as a child, depressed people were quite often the norm for me, not the exception. I've spent a lot of time in counseling in the last 30 years, and I've come to understand that the root of my depression started when I was very young. When I was just two years old, my parents started to bring in foster children. And I know a lot of people foster kids, and that's not always an issue. But uh, for me, I was too young to understand at the time why these new children were suddenly in our home. 
And as I got a little older, my mom explained to me that she and dad hadn't been able to have any more kids and they really wanted more children. So I didn't really understand it at the time, but this planted a seed in my mind when I was very little that I wasn't enough for my parents. Although that probably wasn't an accurate description of the situation from my parents' perspective, it was all that my five-year-old mind could grasp at the time, that I simply wasn't, quote-unquote, enough. When I was about 10 years old, my parents tried to foster another child, a five-year-old girl. I was actually very excited about this. I was older at the time, and the idea of having a little sister, if you will, was really exciting to me. There was even hope that we might be able to adopt her. Uh, But that all fell through, and my mom was crushed. And of course, I again was left with those feelings that I wasn't enough. Uh, Being their only child simply wasn't enough for my parents, and I struggled with that. Then about a year later, when I was 11, uh, my parents brought in a foster brother from a local home for troubled youth. Now, this young man had been attending our church, and... uh, We had gotten to know him pretty well and become friends with him. He was three years older than me at the time, but we had hit it off. And eventually, my parents made arrangements for him to become uh, a foster son living in our home. He moved in with us. Unfortunately, uh, we, my parents didn't know this at the time, but he had been sexually abused as a child. And as abusers often do, they perpetuate that behavior toward others. And so when I was about a little over 11 years old, he began to abuse me the same way that he had been abused. And that abuse went on for three years. He molested me, and I was never able to tell my parents about what was going on. I kept it all inside, feeling shame and fear and, of course, massive depression. I should add parenthetically right now that uh, putting this out on the public airwaves Uh, means that this is something that is not a secret. It is something that I have dealt with and been able to move past. But it was a uh, cause of depression in my youth, and some of that damage has uh, perpetuated itself and uh, led to depression in my uh, older years. Eventually, he moved out, uh, but the damage had been done. And I've carried around that pain, like I said, and I've struggled with depression literally for decades I have tried antidepressants with some limited success. I certainly don't uh, blame anyone for using antidepressants, but they helped me only a little bit. They didn't quite uh, take care of the issue that I struggled with. The root of my pain and the root of my struggle to trust other people is so deep that it simply can't be medicated away. Since I was a little boy, I've never felt like I was enough for other people. I wasn't enough of a friend. I wasn't enough of a son. I wasn't enough of a um, uh, cousin, a nephew. Uh, As I got older, I didn't feel like I was enough of a husband or enough of a father. It's just a struggle that I have had for decades. And when you feel like you're not enough, it's not only depressing, it can actually be debilitating. A couple of years ago, Christian musician Lauren Daigle released a song that crossed over to the contemporary market and became number one on the Billboard Top 100 song chart. The song that many of you are probably familiar with is called You Say. And the moment I heard it, I felt like she wrote the song for me. I want you to listen to the first verse. I can't 
keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every again just who I am because I need to know Ooh, oh, you say I'm when I can't feel again those words I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough every single lie that tells me I will never measure up that has been my battle for most of my life And of course, I know that the only way for me to overcome the depression that I struggle with is by focusing on my identity in Jesus Christ. But when I'm in the depths of despair, when I'm struggling with depression at its deepest level, it's even hard to hold on to that. And many of my friends, some of them well-meaning, very faithful Christians, don't understand depression. And they'll say things to me like, hey, you know what? let go and let God. Or they'll say, smile, things will get better. Or you've just got to have faith. Or hang in there. Or it's just a phase. And you know what? Those people mean well. Those people care about me. They hate seeing me in this depressed state. But they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. Because many of those people have never experienced the hopelessness that depression brings. Hopelessness is not, uh, I'm sorry, depression is not just sadness. It is a pain that is far deeper than anything that that, uh, someone who's never experienced depression can understand. So I decided that I needed to do a little research. Because to be honest, these people that I love and who love me and care about me Uh, who don't understand depression, they need to be educated because they're actually doing harm when they say things like uh, just get over it or everything will be okay or let go and let God. They're actually doing harm to the person who struggles with depression. Uh, Like I said earlier, I've been struggling with uh, depression since I was a kid. I've been surrounded by people with the same struggles. And so I've never been able to understand those people who have never really experienced depression. I don't want anyone to think um, that I am judging people who have never been depressed. Uh, Well, maybe I am a little bit, but the reality is I don't understand their perspective. And believe me, I wish that I did. I wish I didn't struggle with this uh, battle. But I've done some uh, depression research, and I thought that it would be interesting to help those people understand a little bit better. Um what depression is all about. So I want to share some information that I've uh, gathered, and maybe it will be enlightening to you. It was very enlightening to me as well. Uh, The first stat that I want to share is that depression affects over 18 million adults in any given year in the United States. Now, that's one in 10. One in 10. Now, I'm a math person, as you know, and one in 10 is 10%. 
So that means that 10% of adults suffer from depression. But what that also means is that 90% don't, which means that I am not in the majority. I am in the minority. Most of my life, I've grown up around people who struggled with depression. It's all I knew. And so I didn't understand how people couldn't understand my depression. Well, now I do. Because 90% of you out there don't really understand or experience depression. I'm the one in the minority. And so I'd like to offer an apology to all those people that I might have uh, uh, judged wrongly because they didn't get depression. Because the reality is, is that I'm, the, um, I'm in the unique group of people who have that problem. But anyway, this could be very uh, beneficial then to those of you who have never struggled with depression. Another statistic that is very sobering is that um, the primary reason that someone dies by suicide uh, about every 12 minutes is depression. Over 41,000 people a year kill themselves because of depression. That's according to the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta, who collect that kind of data. Depression is the leading cause of disability among people between the ages of 15 and 44. Between the ages of 15 and 44, it is the leading cause of disability. That is over any kind of physical infirmities at all. Depression is number one in that age group. And that brings me to talking about depression in the workplace. And I can relate to this. I was really interested when I found this data. Depression in the workplace causes 490 million disability days from work each year in the United States. People calling off work because they're depressed, over 490 million days per year. And that accounts for $23 billion in lost work days and takes an economic toll of over $100 billion each year from U.S. business. So depression has a major impact on our economy. Now, again, I want to go back to that earlier stat that 90% of people don't necessarily understand how depression can be so debilitating and how could somebody not go to work just because they're depressed. But I want to tell you, folks, there have been days when I have been so depressed that going to work has been a massive struggle. In fact, and this goes back about 25 years now, But when I was a high school teacher in Gary, Indiana, during my last year before I got hired at the university, I was so depressed in my job and in my life in general that I took my 10 days of sick leave during the year and I used them up every, you know, couple weeks. I would take a day off and I called it a mental health day because I just could not bear the thought of going into school again that day. So I used up all of my sick days before uh, probably March of that school year. And then right near the end of the school year, I actually got sick with, I don't remember if it was the flu or what it was, but I was actually physically ill and I could not go to work and I had no sick days left. So I ended up losing salary because I had taken mental health days off earlier in the year because I was so depressed. So when I see that 490 million uh, disability days are taken uh, across the U.S. by people with depression, I get it. And I know that there are some of you out there who are like, oh, my gosh, if you are depressed, just suck it up and go to work. Again, I want to lovingly tell you that you don't understand what depression does to a person. And I hope that by the time 
I'm done with this podcast, you'll at least have a little bit better understanding. It's not something that you can just suck up and move on from. So internationally, according to the World Health Organization, depression affects over 300 million people around the world, and that is regardless of culture, age, gender, religion, race, or economic status. Over 300 million people struggle with depression. It's one of the most debilitating conditions in the world, and severe depression rates in the same disability category as terminal stage cancer. That was pretty sobering to me as well. Depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide, and it is a major contributor to the overall global burden of disease. The last statistic I want to talk about is hereditary depression. And there's been a variety of research that supports the assertion that depression is hereditary. There are some researchers who have even published articles supporting the evidence of genetic markers in families with multiple members who struggle with depression. In other words, it's not just something that hits people randomly. It can be uh, carried on genetically. I'm not going to debate that research, but I am going to share that my wife struggled with depression for a long time. I still do struggle with depression, and several of our kids have had issues with depression off and on throughout their lives. And as I mentioned earlier, my mom struggled with depression, as did at least one of her siblings that I know of for sure. I don't know about my grandparents, but it's clear that at least in my own family, there has been a consistent pattern of depression that spans at least three generations. Again, if you're listening and you're hanging in there and you're not somebody who struggles with depression at this point, you're probably asking yourself the question, why? If you don't struggle with depression, but you've stuck with me through this episode, I really want to say thank you. I really do appreciate it. I sincerely appreciate your listening, and you're probably still wondering why all of this should matter. And it's really very simple. Because of a simple lack of understanding or in a simple attempt to be kind, people have said some really cruel things to me and members of my family. They weren't necessarily trying to be cruel. Sometimes they were trying to (laughs) lighten my mood by making a joke. Um, Sometimes they were expressing genuine concern for me or a family member that came across as cruel. And they weren't trying to be cruel. But that's the way it comes across to a person who is in the throes of depression. For example, if you minimize someone's pain by saying, you know what, that's not that big a deal, or you just need to let it go, it's not something that you would say to someone fighting a chronic illness. If somebody has lupus or Lyme disease, you're not just going to tell them, you know what, you need to let it go. And I believe I've shared this before, but I actually am someone who has Lyme disease. And I can't just let it go. Lyme disease has radically changed my life, and it is a big deal. It's a disease that I will have to manage for the rest of my life. And guess what? So is depression. Depression is a disease that I will have to manage for the rest of my life. And just telling me that it's not that big a deal or that I need to let it go, first of all, it does me no good. Second of all, it makes me feel even worse. And third of all, it makes you look really ignorant. So hopefully, I'm being able to share something that will educate you today. Barbara Kingsolver said it very well when she wrote, 
There's no point treating a depressed person as though she were just feeling sad, saying, there now, hang on, you'll get over it. Sadness is more or less like a head cold. With patience, it will pass. But depression is like cancer. I had someone ask me once what they would say to a friend to help them overcome depression. This was a well-meaning person who... uh, who wanted to help someone they knew who was struggling with depression, and they wanted to know what to say. And my response is simple. There's nothing you can simply say to help anyone just magically overcome depression. But there are some things you can do. One thing you can do is to simply be there for them and let them know that if they want to talk, you will listen. If they want to suffer in silence, you're still going to be right there by their side. And if they want space... You will give them the space they need, but you will also let them know that you are available at a moment's notice to come alongside them and support them in any way that you can. You know, human beings can survive almost anything if they can see a light at the end of the tunnel, if they can just have that that nugget of hope. But when you're depressed, it's like you're wandering through a thick blanket of fog. You can't see the end of the tunnel and you don't know how close you are to the end. Is it just a couple of steps away, or is it miles? You feel hopeless and lost. Eventually, that hopelessness can become all-consuming, and you just want to give up. Sally Brampton is an author who wrote a book called Shoot the Damn Dog, a Memoir of Depression. And she talked about suicide. In that book, she says, Killing oneself is a misnomer. We don't kill ourselves. We are simply defeated by the long, hard struggle to stay alive. When somebody dies after a long illness, people are likely to say with a note of approval, he fought so hard. And they're inclined to think about a suicide that no fight was involved, that somebody simply gave up. That is quite wrong. You know, I thought about that a lot, um, you know, I, I've i never seriously contemplated suicide, but I do know some people who have. And as a Christian, I've often heard people make the argument about uh, whether people who commit suicide are um, going to go to hell because they, they took their own life. And I want to say categorically that I don't believe that someone who is a follower of Christ and commits suicide ends up in hell. Because just like uh, Sally Brampton said, suicide is not um, simply giving up. It's a long battle that someone has fought with depression that eventually takes their life. And I get that. I fully understand that. Anybody who thinks that someone who commits suicide um, didn't fight, that they just gave up, They have no idea what they're talking about. I can only imagine the hopelessness that leads someone to do that. And I'm grateful that I have never struggled to that extent with depression. But to make a judgment that someone who takes their own life didn't fight for their life, that's offensive to me. So I really appreciate that quote from Sally Brampton. 
As I bring this uh, episode of The John Becker Show to a close, I hope that something I have shared has been useful. If you don't struggle with depression, count yourself fortunate. Candidly, I envy you. I envy your mental state. I can't imagine what it's like to never have had that struggle. Treasure that. Don't take it for granted. But also, please, take what I've shared today and ponder over it. I'm sure that there are people in your life who struggle with depression, and maybe you haven't really been able to understand where they're coming from, but please extend them some grace. Don't judge them for it, and let them know that you're there for them if they need you. And if you're listening and you share the same struggle that I do, I want to let you know that I'm right right there with you. And if there's anything I can do for you, whether it's a prayer or a listening ear or just the knowledge that I'll do my best to be there for you if you need me, feel free to reach out. I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email at my website, johnrbecker.com. Remember, that's John without an H, johnrbecker.com. And I would love to hear from you. And of course, I'll keep everything that you share completely confidential. If you have a struggle that you would like me to share publicly because you think it could be an encouragement to someone else, you can let me know that too. And I would be uh, delighted to pass along that information to my listeners. If you're enjoying our show, I wish you would head on over to iTunes and give us a like and a subscribe. That's going to increase our visibility so that others can find the show and benefit from it as well. And as always, this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Crown Media Group. Is your brand marketing stale? Does your website need a makeover? Then head over to my friends at crownmediagroup.com. They do spectacular work at affordable prices, and they have the best customer service I have ever experienced. Check them out today. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of The John Becker Show. I am so glad that you listened. Until next time, my friends, have a great week.